This is reposted. Every morning, Larry and I dig into a quote or idea that has caught our eye. Our hope is that our chat inspires you to never stop thinking and possibly challenges you in a new way. If you'd like to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash reposted. Thank you for stopping by. Mr. Keller, I cannot get enough of this Michael Easter book that you have turned me onto. It's called The Comfort Crisis. Yesterday, we chatted about boredom. Today, it's death. Here's a quote from a chapter in the book, and it's quoting a dude from Bhutan who said, pretend you're walking along a trail, he explained, and there's a cliff at 500 yards. The catch, the cliff is death, and we will all walk off it. Buddha died. Jesus died. You're going to die. I will die. I'd like to die on that bed. You know, don't you want to know where the cliff is, he asked, because only then can we change our course. We could take a more scenic route, notice the beauty of the trail before it ends, say the things we truly want to say to the people we're walking with, end quote. Uh, the, good, the book and the good people of Bhutan argued that the secret to happiness is thinking about your own death. Now, I personally do not like thinking about death because I feel like I'm going to jinx myself. I really mean that. I feel like if I think about my death, I'm going to jinx myself and I'm going to die. Well, good news is you will die, so it doesn't matter. But the comfort crisis, you look really comfortable with that sweatshirt on, so I wanted to point Thank that you. out. Thank you. I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting they say take the more scenic route, which traditionally like a road trip is the longer route. But in life, I don't think it necessarily means the longer route. It's like, oh, you see the cliff. Let's avoid it. Taking the more scenic route the way I'm kind of interpreting this is live life to the fullest, whether you're going to die when you're 30, 60 or 90. Um, it doesn't matter. Like, I think it's better to die at 30, living a full life than die at 90 to be constantly afraid. And you could look back at 2020 and see all the mental um, health problems people had by being in isolation and, and being in constant fear. That's not a life well lived, I would argue. So I feel like what the people of Bhutan are saying and what this author, the argument that he's making is that the people of Bhutan accept that at some particular point, they're going to die. And it doesn't really matter how it's just going to come in America. I feel like when we die or are about to die, we sort of make the excuse like, wait a minute, this can't be happening to me. We make excuses about it because we've never accepted it in the first place. Yeah. It's not part of our culture. We, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I was in Bali, I remember I took a tour and they were talking about how, when someone dies, they're put on display for a week in the town center and everyone's just like, that's how it is. That's how you pay your respects. It's not a tragically horrible event. It's like, this is what happens and we need to move on. And <clears throat> I guess maybe because we're a more selfish culture, we think we shouldn't die or, or it's more scary when it happens to us. So yeah, I don't like thinking about death either. I mean, well, I don't necessarily either, but this this chapter of this book has definitely made me rethink things. And I was going on a run yesterday and I started thinking about it. So hopefully I didn't jinx myself. But this idea in Bhutan, they, they take death differently. Like they have ashes that are mixed in with clay and put as sculptures along the side of the road. Often their art deals around death. Their funerals last 21 days. So they have, a, and by the way, so you say like, well, whatever, who cares? They're the 134th most developed nation on earth, but they're in the top 20 for happiness. We're nowhere near that in America, by the way. Yeah. 
if you and your wife both died today, would someone on earth know what your last wishes are? Like how you want to be buried and all that stuff? No, they would. Wow. Okay. I definitely started thinking about that and the fact that I really need to do my will. Oh, yeah. We I was talked on this about project. that once. You don't, you don't have a will. I don't have a will. My kids are going to go live in an orphanage, basically. Well, now that you own property, if you don't have a will, it becomes yeah. increasingly more complicated and the courts get involved. Um, and that's not a that's not a life well lived dealing with probate. Nobody wants that. that. Isn't, so they say this all the time. They mentioned in this article, but I think it's well worth saying. Most people that go into a hospital and are actually dying, they don't have much time to live. They don't think about getting famous or their car or their watch or the hours working that when they realize that it's eminent, they start thinking about the relationships and people and all of the other stuff kind of goes away. So then why do we work so hard to begin with when at the end we don't even care about it? Yeah, it's funny. I saw something uh, today. It was a headline. William Shatner, who's 90, said, take it easy. Nothing matters in the end. So, I mean, that exactly <laughs> proves your point. When you look back, I mean, he, by all measures, had a successful career. When you look back, like, it doesn't really matter. After looking at this, are you going to make any minor or major changes in your life? Or are you thinking about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, this, this chapter opened me up to think about it. Um, I really like this quote. When you understand that nothing is permanent, you cannot help but follow a better, happier path. I feel like, once again, that's sort of an American ethos, that we're entitled to whatever we have and it's going to last forever. Just as a minor example, I feel like some people think that with jobs and then they get fired. You were never guaranteed that job at the beginning, but you think you should have it forever. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's like, I don't know, time to accept things, move on. And it's sweating the small stuff. I, a lot of times it's easier said than done, but it's, I mean, I guess like this, it's a good exercise to kind of look back. I'd like to offer a suggestion on something you can change if, you, if mm -hmm. you're willing to yeah. hear it. Um, get rid of your three-day Amazon rule. If you want to buy it, YOLO, baby. <laughs> um, okay. I've definitely, this, this, this has made me think about my life a little bit. And there's really nothing that I that I want anymore. I kind of would love to have a successful career, but not like, but just in the fact that I was doing the right thing for two decades. And I don't know if I'll ever get that confirmation. So it doesn't really matter. But, you know, I got to get married. I got to have kids. This last thing was like buying a house and I got to do that. So I've kind of come to the conclusion there's really nothing left major in my life that I really wanted to do. I think it was a minor thing you just said, but it's interesting. You did the right thing. I think people generally accept that doing the right thing is a universally accepted truth, but I think doing the right thing is subjective, which is kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like I do the right thing, but I would, I would think a lot of people disagree with my, you know, my approach what, to life. Um, one of the cool traditions we have in my family, we started it in our backyard in Southern California and we, me and my wife have continued it. When someone passes away, we try to buy them a tree. So our intern, his mother passed away almost two years ago and we bought him a lemon tree for his backyard and he planted it. And this lemon tree is kicking ass. It like has so much lemons, but it's this great thing where he mentions it and gets, it's right in the middle of his yard. And we always end up talking about his mom because of this lemon tree. And I feel like that's the circle of life, Andrew. <laughs> we get to talk about the circle of life because there's a lemon tree in his backyard. Yeah. 
And even the lemon tree will die one day. Well, but I mean, yes, Andrew, sure. But here's the, yes. Here's what I will say though. I've recently been thinking of uh, this, this um, I've been reading this book about subatomic particles and particles. And I mentioned this before, 98% of the universe at the big bang was completely in form three minutes after the universe was formed. Big bang, three minutes, everything that's ever existed in the universe was created. Particles go on forever. Particles, atoms, never die. They just keep going on. They move from my body to the ground, to the dirt, to a tree. There's just a little bit of an eternal perspective that's made me feel a little bit better about death. Particles live forever. Gives me hope that there's some sort of universal experience for all of us. I don't know what that is, but you can see in actual matter that there's some universal universalness. Yeah, which I guess is probably rooted in what uh, cultures that uh, subscribe to the reincarnation idea. Yeah, totally. So like, well, my particles are going to dissipate and then reappear somewhere else. And that's, I guess that's kind of, um, that way you don't ever have to deal with death because you're, you're not going to die. You'll still be there. I hope my particles come back as a good poker player. Can you make that happen? Yeah, come back as Larry Moneymaker. <laughs> Well, uh, if you're still wondering what Larry put in his Amazon package, tune back in tomorrow. <laughs> yes. you can find us at Reposted Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Andrew Keller for Cherry Garcia saying thanks for stopping by. <laughs> <laughs>